So the big questions in the energy industry today are, how is hydrogen the primary driving force behind the evolution of energy? Where is capital being deployed for hydrogen projects globally? And where are the best investment opportunities for early adopters who recognize the importance of hydrogen? I will address the critical issues and give you the information you need to deploy capital. Those are the questions that will unlock the potential of hydrogen, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Paul Rodden, and welcome to the Hydrogen Podcast. Hi, this is Paul, and I want to welcome you back to the Hydrogen Podcast. Today, I have the very special privilege of talking to Andy Marsh, the CEO of Plug Power. Plug is leading the charge in every aspect of the hydrogen economy. They are building a global end-to-end green hydrogen ecosystem to produce, transport, store, and deliver green hydrogen to customers around the world. In creating the first commercially viable market for hydrogen fuel cell technology, the company has deployed more than 50,000 fuel cell systems for e-mobility, more than anyone else in the world, and is the largest buyer of liquid hydrogen. I think Andy has done a fantastic job guiding the company to where it is today, and I believe they are creating the blueprint for success in the hydrogen economy. Sir, thank you for taking the time to meet with us. It is great to have you on the show. It's a pleasure to be here, Paul. I'm looking forward to our conversation. Me too. If it's okay with you, I'd like to jump right into discussing your vision for Plug. You are successfully executing a plan to build out a global end-to-end green hydrogen ecosystem. Would you mind outlining your vision for us and talking about what progress you've made so far? So, Paul, if you take a step back, you can't just one problem in this whole hydrogen economy. You have to have a way to generate the green hydrogen. You have to have a way to move the green hydrogen. You have to have fueling stations. You have to have usages for that hydrogen. And plug, you know, is really taken is really, you know, by ourselves and with others who are JV partners, really been focusing on building out, as you mentioned, the complete ecosystem. You know, we're building, for example, a green hydrogen network across the United States, which will be over 500 tons a year by 2025. We have plants that are being built in New York, in Georgia, in Louisiana, California, Texas, all to create green hydrogen. And we're looking at about 13 more between now and 2025. We have a logistic network we built. We have about 40 trucks on the road today delivering hydrogen. We have the trailers that are delivering, those cryogenic trailers designed and built by Plug. We have a company that can turn it into liquid. We also, I think more important, have the applications. We're doing large-scale stationary products that can be used to back up data centers, charge electric vehicles, as well as provide continuous power. We have on-road vehicles that we've done with Renault, a leader in electrification in Europe, been doing it for 20 years. And we putting fuel cells in forklift trucks, and a lot of other things, uh, airplanes, you name it, trains, you know, be a good title for a movie maybe, but yeah, that's what, <laughs> so we've done a lot, Paul. So the next phase going on, what is it that you're concentrating on? Well, I think there's an execution aspect that becomes more and more important, but geographical expansion, as well as thinking through uh, potentially exporting green hydrogen or green ammonia, is certainly very high on our priority list. I spent the last two weeks in Europe where the concerns about national security and having energy there all the time are real. And there is aggressive plans. For example, we're working with a company called H2 Energy who's building a gigawatt worth of electro, you know, gigawatt plant based on plugs electrolyzers in Denmark. 
you know, that's a lot of work going on that in complete European expansion, thinking about generating hydrogen in Northern Europe, you know, we have a plant we're building in Antwerp, Bruges at the moment, mm -hmm. as well as in Southern Europe where the sun shines, where the wind <laughs> blows and the sun shines, Paul. So Europe and the United States are really the two key areas we're looking at and focusing. And I think a lot of more work, if I was thinking where we're going in the future, green ammonia is part of that. Excellent. Are you targeting any specific industries or companies in the next phase of your plan, or is it about growing the entire ecosystem as a whole? I would say we're focused. I'm always listening, Paul. So I, you know, I, you know, it's, I'm not going to tie myself into a corner and say I'm just doing that. <laughs> but you know, we are really focused on certain applications. You know, data centers, for example, yeah. we had a huge, you know activity with Microsoft right. for the first big plan. We're talking to all the big data center operators mm -hmm. around the world. You know, I think a lot of our activity is really focused on filling in and customer development. But during that customer development, you know, more and more partners are coming to play. I mean, I met with Airbus here today yeah. at the show, and, you know, we're looking to, we've announced it, we're looking how we do a hydrogen hub right. at an airport for hydrogen airplanes, uh, which is really cool. So, you know, there's lots, and we're doing things with small partners. I have lots of EPC, EPCs we work with, mm -hmm. as well as uh, technology developers like United to Hydrogen, which is going to put regional aircraft out. We're doing things that are probably more applicable in 2023 and some things which will be really applicable in 2035. So we have a real broad range of activities we have going on. And when I got started doing the hydrogen stuff, everyone was talking about, you know, 2040, 2050. It seems like that, that time frame has just been cut in half. I may not be alive by then, so that's not really that good. <laughs> <laughs> I actually want to see it now. Yeah, you know, I mean, and, and that's, uh, and people I, in my life are saying the same thing. I don't think I'll be alive when it happens. The time frame on all this stuff is just You'll dropping. be alive, Paul. You're a young guy. You're a young guy. They've seen you before, <laughs> even though this is just uh, audio. <laughs> yeah, they'll know I'm coming. Is Plug looking to work with smaller entities to help produce hydrogen or provide other support roles in the marketplace, or are you looking at keeping everything in-house? Oh, I think if you look at what we've done recently, we have people who we're developing technology with, like United Hydrogen, which mm -hmm. is small. We're working with a green steel producer in Europe, which uh, is really cool. And you know, we made a small investment to help them get going. We've, we've invested in small project developers that help us find good real estate and good renewable electricity. We deal with big partners too, a large EPCs, small EPCs. We've gone from, you know, having to do it all ourselves yeah. because nobody else cared. Right. You know, we were the only, you know, it's bad when you're the only one that's in the market <laughs> who care to a company that's focused on, you know, joint ventures, you know, SK, Axiona, just two examples, Renault, yeah. you know, to folks where we're making investments in their companies who are usually smaller companies, yeah. to large and small EPCs, you know, with our, you know, business with distribution centers, we actually support a lot of smaller yeah. EPCs, which aren't household names, but help create jobs in those local communities. Yeah, I, I, on the show, I talk a lot about cars just because I'm a car guy. Yeah. And when the Renault announcement came out, I was floored. I loved it. You know, up until that time, it was Toyota and Hyundai. Yep. And now to know that there's a French company who's going to be bringing that directly into Europe, I thought was amazing. And so the fact that you're working with Renault, I think is going to be huge, not just as, as an announcement, but I mean, in the next five years, 
that's going to take off even more. Not that you, I, mean, I can imagine the kind of growth you're already experiencing, but everything else that you've, the foundations that you've already laid in the last two years or so, that's going to take off. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. We really are an inflection point. Yeah. There's a lot of macroeconomic drivers. You have the real commitment by countries and companies mm-hmm. to reach net zero. Right. And they're not doing it because they're altruistic. They're doing it because the people listening to this show today are demanding that from, their, from the people who service them. I think also you have uh, this huge opportunity to create jobs. Yeah. You know, people want to use this as an opportunity to create jobs in the new economy. Right. And that's driving people. And I think the third item is uh, this Ukraine war. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't underestimate. People don't want to be held hostage by lunatics. Yeah. And I think lunatics is, a lunatic is the right word. And you can't let Russia or any other you know, totalitarian government dictates how we live. Right. You know, I, um, you know, I think about I was in Netherlands for a party two weeks ago. And I'm watching a party, and, you know, they were behaving just like us in the free world behave. Yeah. And I said to myself, that's what we're protecting, yeah. the joy of living. Mm. And that's why it's so important that we all become energy independent. I love that. And that's really where we're, what we need to do. I really love that. I yeah. do. Kind of pivot a little bit, and something that you touched on on your talk this morning is the, the Inflation Reduction Act. Yeah. Has included some incentives uh, enticing people to get into green hydrogen production. In your view, are there any challenges or issues the industry will need to overcome in order to scale quickly and effectively? Oh, I, I think about two things every day, Paul. <laughs> where we're going to get the power and where's the land. Yeah. And that, you know, I don't view it as a technology challenge. I view it as uh, how you put the pieces together. And to be most effective for the long term, you have to find low-cost sources of renewable energy. Mm-hmm. I think that's a big opportunity that you have to address. You have to have the land to be able to have both the plants and the ability to generate the hydrogen. And finally, we shouldn't really uh, discount how we transport hydrogen. Mm-hmm. Today, we transport in liquid form, and I believe a liquid, even for short distances, will become more and more required. But we need pure hydrogen pipelines. I testified in front of Senator Manchin's committee discussing that. But that can dramatically cut the cost of transporting hydrogen by a factor of 10. And that's one of the ingredients that's going to be critical for this hydrogen economy to become a trillion-dollar opportunity. And, you know, I I do talk to a lot of midstream companies who are interested in hydrogen transportation, using pipelines for that, you know, what, what's the appropriate amount right now to put into natural gas lines, what type of materials need to be established and come to market that can handle hydrogen, solely uh, hydrogen through the pipelines. So, you know, I don't hear a lot of chatter on that. So the fact that you're involved kind of gives me a good feeling knowing that someone of your stature is actually in there talking about pipeline transport. Yeah. And you're talking about the United States. Yeah. And there are people involved in the United States who are looking at actually how to replace the natural gas pipelines today. And we do have projects going on with injecting Mm -hmm. hydrogen in natural gas pipelines. Much more aggressive in Europe. Yes. Uh, In Denmark, they're looking to build 
30 gigawatts by 2030 of wind power in the Baltics to bring that down into Western Europe. And they can more cost effectively move molecules, you know, at least by a factor of two than electricity. Right. So they were looking to generate hydrogen in northern Denmark, build a pipeline into Germany to support Germans, the German mobility needs. Same's going on in Finland. Same's going on in Sweden, where they have rich resources of, of hydroelectric power. I had yeah. a great meeting last Tuesday with a minister, a parliamentary minister in, a, in Sweden at the EU parliament. So all that's really going on. And here in the U.S., there are companies we're talking to about how you convert natural gas pipelines to yeah. hydrogen. It will happen. But it is something that, you know, if I could wave a magic wand, yeah. I would take all the DOE hub money and put it into building pipelines across the U.S. Costs would come down. <laughs> On top of the Inflation Reduction Act, the apps will be there. That's yeah. how I would do it. But I wasn't elected president, so I got to do what I'm doing. Well, for I guess you're just going to have to write your name then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good luck with that. Uh, uh, A-N-D-Y-M-A-R-S-H for your audience <laughs> out there. <laughs> you know, you mentioned pipeline, too. A while back, we had Mike Lewis at UT, who's heading up the H2 at Scale project yeah. here in Texas. And that was one of the things that they focused in on. You know, if, if they did a green hydrogen project in the Permian, what's the best way to get that energy to the Gulf Coast? And they said, you know, the, the difference between a pipeline and running copper cable that distance it was at least a factor of 10 difference. Yeah, there, you know, I used the factor of two. Yeah. But I was being conservative. <laughs> you know, I'm known as a conservative in this industry. Yeah. And, uh, but I have seen studies which have suggested a factor of 10 also. Yeah, it's, it's a big, un- it's a big deal. So Plug is one of the largest buyers of liquid hydrogen currently yet you're in the process of pivoting the company to be a major producer of green hydrogen. Why start producing the hydrogen yourself? Well, it was pretty simple. I probably three, four years ago started looking at it. You know, the commitment, quite honestly, to help drive this industry from a cost perspective was not really apparent in the industry. Mm. The plants in the United States that are liquid are actually really old. Yeah. And quite honestly, not all you know, not always reliable, mm-hmm. which makes you know, which is the reason we built our own logistic network because of those issues. And my investors, you know, when you start looking at how we maximize the profits for plug, mm-hmm. that's really critical. And finally, people like Amazon and Walmart are saying to me, "I want green hydrogen." Yeah. And nobody else had it, so <laughs> you know, we had to we had to make it ourselves. Yeah. I guess where a lot of their distribution centers are, it would be closest to like gray hydrogen. Yeah, and there's no such, there's very, very little green hydrogen in the world. Yeah. And that's about the change, and Plug is making the change. The, the amount of I, projects I can, listed I right can now. tell you that the plant we're building in Bruges, mm-hmm. we haven't even made a sales call yet, and our funnel's 10 times the capacity of that plant. <laughs> so, it, you know, one of, the, so one of these days we're going to have to make a sales call, see what we can do. <laughs> well, that's, that's a good problem to have, I guess. Yeah, it is a good problem to have, Paul. <laughs> so I'm curious about your thoughts, and you brought this up a little bit, on the labor market. Yeah. As we aggressively build out the hydrogen infrastructure in the United States over the coming years, what job types do you think will be needed most, and also... What type of employee is Plug looking for as you scale your ecosystem? Good question, Paul. And uh, 
it's a, you know, the skill sets that exist in the oil and gas industry are completely applicable mm -hmm. to these plants we're building. I think so too. These people know, you know, the oil and gas folks know how to manage large quantities of water, mm -hmm. which you need for electrolyzer, right. how to separate gas, how mm -hmm. to put electrolyzers on, uh, on ocean, at, in oceans. Mm -hmm. You know, we're already doing a study. So probably today about 20, not even a study, we're actually doing, 25% uh, of my employees actually worked in the oil and gas industries wow. at some time. And then you start looking at the other skill sets we have. You know, great mechanical engineers and electrical engineers come from all sorts of different industries. You know, we have lots of people from the nuclear power industry. Mm -hmm. You know, you want folks also who are... Um, engaged in safety yeah and uh, you know and all those industries have the right skill sets right i mean here in houston you know today plug has about 350 employees and all of them are oil and gas people <laughs> and we're really fortunate that they've joined so i would say to folks that we can help you make that transition yeah the folks that you know i had a you know organization in the netherlands that uh, we acquired which was 100 percent oil and gas in 18 months, we've made them 0% oil and gas and 100% renewables. <laughs> so you got the right skills if you're in that industry, yeah, the well, transition. Yeah, and I think you'll be sensitive to this. And it was one of the things that I, I talked about when I was talking about labor, and that's industry risk. Yeah. You know, with oil and gas being so cyclical, I see hydrogen as being much more stable. And, you know, those people who are, you know, out on those oil rigs who do know how to actually work the equipment, you know, gas, natural gas prices tank. And all, all of a sudden they're out of a job where I don't think that kind of situation is going to happen in hydrogen. Yeah. yeah, I think it's going to be, I think it's really interesting. If you really think about it, uh, you're not going to have the large changes in cost right. that you're going to see. I mean, you know, the solar and wind projects are just going to come down in cost and continue to be more competitive. But the variability of the hydrogen produced from renewable sources will be nothing like what you see right. today. So, you know, I think, it, and look, um, what's going to be the, you know, if you think about the growth rate of the renewable mm -hmm. economy, you know, they talk about uh, great work, I think I may have mentioned earlier, done by Princeton, you know, which essentially says you got to build, a, rebuild the complete U.S. electrical network. Right. And then do it twice. Mm -hmm. You know, so... If you're 30 years old, you probably got a job for life, yeah. uh, unless you want to work to 2100, which you probably don't want to yeah. if you go into renewable energy and you go into hydrogen. Right. The growth is just going to be spectacular. Yeah, I think we're on the same page with that. Yeah. Okay, so switching gears a little bit, Plug is doing a great job on the sales front. We kind of talked about sales a little bit. You've secured huge deals with Amazon, Walmart, and Microsoft. Can you walk us through the process on how you approached the three, those, those big three companies and how those deals worked out? Two of those companies you named came to me. Love it. But, you know, if I think about Microsoft, mm -hmm. really, and by the way, all three companies you mentioned have great, talented individuals. But Microsoft really has a vision how they get to, you know, their goal is not only to be net zero, but eliminate all their emissions all the way going back to 1976. Wow. So pretty aggressive goals. Yeah. And they have really senior advanced technical people designing what the next generation data centers can be. And they start talking to us. I can remember, I think I met them for the first time in 2018 at a, um, 
at a hydrogen conference. Oh, and wow. we sat down and talked, and we talked about what Plug could do for them. And we went out and worked with them to build a three megawatt plant to meet, you know, the start of their vision. Yeah. And, you know, what these large backup stationary products will be at data centers, I think for this, you know, in the future, they will become peaker plants to yeah. support the electrical network. And beyond that, as the cost of hydrogen comes down, one, and there's been good work done at UC Irvine in this area, you can actually envision, you know, hydrogen being used as a, um, as the energy that uh, can feed a data center yeah. directly. And if you think about why, uh, we talked about copper costs, mm -hmm. be a lot lower cost to just run hydrogen piping versus running electrical piping yeah. and having fuel cells embedded in their in their servers. Absolutely. So I, now that's probably a, that probably is a long out item. Yeah. You know, backup and peaker plants are first, but ultimately a pure hydrogen data center. And we actually have people <coughs> we're talking to about it. Ultimately, may be the right solution. Oh, fantastic! Yeah, and yeah, I, I can see that too. Just as you know, with with the fuel cells in place, there's also a lot less upkeep, maintenance, gears aren't freezing, seals don't wear out, issues that yeah. can also be resolved by replacing diesel generators with those with those fuel cells. Oh, I don't know why anybody would ever use a diesel generator <laughs> again. <laughs> you know, it's you know, I I mean, think about it. Why? Do people want to go to electric vehicles? There's a clean aspects, but quite honestly, they're going to be lower cost ownership yeah. because there's fewer moving parts, you know, simple maintenance, right. you know, great, better performance, right? Right. I mean, same thing with fuel cells in, at data centers. I mean, you know they're going to start up diesel center, diesel gen sets are notorious for being unreliable. Yeah. So I agree with you, Paul. Do you have an order to place? That would help me. Yeah, absolutely. I'll, get, I'll have everyone in my neighborhood will just have a, a fuel cell generator for yeah. backups. Hey, yeah. we had, during during Snowvid last year, we all ran out of power and the grid failed. Oh, and, that's it. You live down here in Texas? Yeah, yeah, yeah. so I'm, I'm hitting the woodlands here in Houston. And it was, you know, we just couldn't handle that, that cold weather here. We didn't know how to deal with it. Yeah. And those yeah. people who were lucky enough to have a generator had, where they, we got our, our uh, fridges working and everything else but no I, I mean to see in the future where we can have a fuel cell in every house and hydrogen piped right into it so you, you know you bring up an interesting point and and it didn't strike me until the evacuation last week in florida yeah i don't know how you do that with batteries right i think fuel cell electric vehicles or fuel cell hybrid vehicles would be the only way you can move millions of people away from an emergency and a hurricane. Oh, you're, we're, we're going to be best friends. Yeah, I think people like yourself who live in Texas, you you know, who live close to the Gulf, Yeah. Who, when these hurricanes come through and you want to escape, you need a fuel cell electric vehicle, not a battery electric vehicle. I agree. Yeah. I completely agree. So back to the, the three deals, those are huge deals for you. What's next? I mean, your team has set the bar pretty high. You know, how, how are you going to top that? Well, our... Um, Sales funnel, look, you know what a sales funnel is. Yeah. There's a lot of people say they want to buy things. How many buy it when they come out <laughs> is always a question. But our sales funnel for electrolyzers is $28 billion. Wow. $28 billion. Amazing. You know, you saw my, you ran into my sales guy in the hall here. Yeah. And, you know, I said to him, did you listen to my speech today? And he said, <laughs> no, because he had customers who wanted to talk to him. He has his priorities, priorities. wrong. He has his priorities <laughs> wrong, Paul. But... 
when you think about that, you know, that business will be the largest business we have in the next year. Yeah. And, you know, this last year it was a couple million dollars. It'll be a pretty decent business next year. It'll be a huge, huge business. People want to build a green hydrogen yeah. for their operations. Uh, a lot of these deals are with fertilizers, cement, mm-hmm. steel, not the, you know, making bottles. Yeah. Not the most, you know, what you think about, you know, the sexiest yeah, applications of the world. It's not glamorous. But, you know, that represents as much of the carbon footprint to the world as mobility. Yeah. 26%. It's something that has to happen. And they're hard to abate. They're hard to abate. And hydrogen can do it. Hydrogen can do it. Yeah. I guess that's why your podcast, podcast is called Hydrogen Podcast. A hydrogen Podcast. Yeah. That's right. Because you got it right, Paul. <laughs> that's right. We did. <laughs> Okay, so I, I do want to highlight the Microsoft deal for a moment. I talked about this on the podcast at length, but I want to make sure people understand how big that is. Plug just successfully built and tested a fuel cell that will revolutionize backup power generation for data centers. That means we no longer have to rely on diesel generators, and I mentioned that previously. But when do you think this will roll? This will start to roll out on this concept for data centers? Are there discussions with Microsoft to start the transition? Yes. <laughs> that's it. That's, that's but all I, can go into. That's all I can go into. And I think I mentioned earlier that it's not only Microsoft. Yeah. All the major data center operators, you'll probably see more and hear more about in the coming year. So it's not that far out. Hey, and whenever, there, whenever it happens, send them our way. We'll, I will we'll send them. it that way, Paul. And you can, you, <laughs> on the Hydrogen Podcast, that'll be the place we make that's all our like major announcements in the future. <laughs> So I, I think one of the most fascinating things that I like about Plug is that under your leadership is the level of execution for your scope and vision of the hydrogen economy. I can't think of another company that's embraced their role as a leader in hydrogen as well as Plug has. I'm extremely interested in hearing your viewpoint on what you think the future of, hy- of the hydrogen economy will look like. What does the future hold for Plug Power, but also the rest of the hydrogen industry? I think this is real important for your listeners to know. It really starts with the generation of hydrogen. The apps aren't all that, I shouldn't simplify the apps, but the apps are not as challenging. Because if you have the energy, fuel cells work. Right. But when I look at it as an American, we talked on the Inflation Reduction Act. I believe America's taken a step to really be the dominant provider of hydrogen and green ammonia throughout the world. We have access to the lowest cost of renewable energy. We have land, which in Europe is a much, much bigger problem. We have in this country policy that supports it. Mm -hmm. So the United States, and I really am glad it happened, is that we essentially reached energy independence with using fossil fuels. We're going to be energy independent for renewable power and also become a net exporter of that energy. That's really valuable. And by also being a leader in that industry, it will also accelerate apps that plug, yeah. as well as other companies, will be leveraging that cost-effective green hydrogen and green ammonia from everything from peaker plants to even continuous run plants to mobility applications. You know, it will be 20% of world's energy will come from hydrogen. Yeah by 2050, and maybe sooner. And the U.S. has really positioned itself as a unique leader 
Now, I made these comments at a big event in France, and I was on the panel with folks from around the world, and nobody disagreed with me <laughs> that the best place to make hydrogen, green hydrogen, and green ammonia is in the good old USA. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> well, this has been an incredible conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time to meet with me. It was, I enjoyed it, Paul, and I look forward to listening to me and you talking together oh, yeah, we'll and hear a playback. We're going we're gonna to just celebrate this. All right, everyone, one last thing to mention. Plug Power has a special symposium coming up soon, and I want you to check it out. It's a hybrid event hosted by the Plug's Innovation Center and Gigafactory in Rochester, New York, from October 18th uh, to the 19th. You can join it as a digital attendee to see green hydrogen at work. You visit their website at plugpower.com to get details. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Stay safe. I'll talk to you later. Hey, this is Paul. I hope you liked this podcast. If you did and want to hear more, I'd appreciate it if you would either subscribe to this channel on YouTube or connect with your favorite platform through my website at www.thehydrogenpodcast.com. Thanks for listening. I very much appreciate it. Have a great day.